Welcome to the Radiant Visalia podcast. Join us at one of our two services, 9 a.m. and 1045 a.m. Download the Church Center app or visit our website, radiantvisalia.com, to stay connected with us. All right, enjoy. Remember it. Oh, that's no problem. Hi, Eric. Hi. Yeah, there's things just keep getting smaller and smaller. Yeah. Okay. So the reason I, I say that is, is the last time I was here, I gave, but Valerie, as Valerie already said, I received much more than I gave, and I earnestly believe that. Uh, I still talk about Radiant Church, talk about the experience of God's presence in the worship. Uh, talked about, I've been a public speaker for over 30 years, and one of the things you become aware of when you speak is when people are open. Like it's not just by smiles and looks and stuff like that, but there is actually an experience of openness. How many of you have experienced that just in talking to another human being? You can tell in a nanosecond whether they're just tolerating you or whether there's a permeable element. You know, you actually are sharing something other than just concepts and words. There's like an openness. And I went home and I told Val, I said, that church was amazing. They were so open uh, and a readiness. And, and I have a great anticipation that over these next few minutes that you will allow me to influence you as God has influenced me. Because I know I will be and have already been influenced by you. Thank you, Lord, for the way you work. Amen? Uh, it was humorous to me at certain levels when Travis called me to speak on this topic. Because uh, he, said, he asked me, he says, you know, we're, I'm in the series on Jonah and, and I've I, I just been feeling like maybe you're the person that should come and sharing and hearing God's voice. And I let him finish his whole deal and, and I said, Travis, I have a question to ask you. I said, were you aware that this was actually my life message that I taught for over 20 years worldwide for YWAM? And he goes, you know, like, there's like, dun, 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 dun. pause, are you kidding? No, I'm not kidding. But I said, this is perfect. Because I felt that even in just, just his sensitivity to hearing the Lord, it was such a confirmation. It was kind of like one of those instant things right off where I go, hey, I know I'm supposed to be there. You know, because just of how this whole thing was setting up, I go, this was a no-brainer. Uh, that, uh, and, and besides that, I, I, Valerie had to come be in service this morning with me. She told me last time, she says, you're not going without me next time. So it's such a delight to be here. I have had uh, the privilege of, of talking about this subject because it is a passion for me. And I'd like to share my perspective as it's been influenced uh, the way it's been influenced uh, through the years. I'd like to tell you a quick story, just as an example. Uh, to me, I, I like stories about the little things more than about the big things. Always have. For some reason, I just do. I just like normal, everyday stories. And the other day, about, maybe about two months ago, I, was, I had my computer up, and I was getting ready to... Um, buy some airline tickets to Austin, Texas for some work or whatever we were doing. And I had it up, and you know, you get to that point, the point of no return, because they were vouchers. And you know, vouchers have a point of no return, right? Push this button, no refund, no anything, you know, it'll cost you twice as much to change the ticket, you know, all those kind of, you know, red flags. So I'm right at that point, I'm getting ready to push send, and I'm at my kitchen counter, and 
I just have this sense I'm not supposed to push sin. Now let me assure you, I do not walk around in an enchanted kind of mode. I am just like every, I am a super type A, get it done, don't do, you know, don't lay things around. I mean, it's like, so for me just, but I'm just like, literally, I'm not joking, just like that. And then all of a sudden the phone rings. And the phone rings, and Valerie goes, honey, you're not going to believe who's on the phone. I go, who's on the phone? She goes, Bob Hopkins. Well, Bob Hopkins, you don't know Bob, but Bob Hopkins has been a dear friend of mine, and he has been the person that organized me speaking for YWAM more than any single person over all the years. I hadn't heard from Bob Hopkins in six years. Because I hadn't been doing any work for YWAM because I went back to grad school and I, you know, you can only do so many things. And so I stopped doing it all, you know, all that's good. And now I have to say this to Valerie about two months before this. This is a story within a story. Everybody following? I say, honey, isn't it weird how things just come and go in life, you know, and how people come and go and, and things you're doing come and go. Not like a bad thing. And I go, you like YWAM. You know, I did that for like 16, 17 years. And she just like... She just goes, you're not done with YWAM. It was like, not thus saith the Lord, but it had kind of a little bit of that touch to it. She goes, you're not done with YWAM. And I go, and I didn't even argue, which is, I, you know, I like went, really? I go, you think so? I go, that's not the sense I've been getting. She goes, well, you're not done with YWAM. I go, okay. So I'm sure she was glad when she said, honey, Bob Hopkins is on the phone. Two months later, and he gets on the phone and he says, Doug, strangest thing. He says, can you be in Hawaii in two weeks to talk on hearing God's voice? And, and all of a sudden, the don't push sin made sense. Because without getting into the nitty-gritty details, I was going to need those vouchers to get Valerie to Hawaii because we had ministry that we were trying to get there for. This is a story within a story within a story. We were trying to get to this one location in Hawaii, but we really didn't have the money to get there. And we were going to owe like two grand in taxes and blah, blah, blah. And so, any rate, I go, oh, I could get Valerie there on those vouchers, but we still, Lord, need $783. Where am I going to get $783? I go, don't push sin. Use the voucher. Tell Bob I'll be in Hawaii in two weeks to speak on hearing God's voice. Totally exciting. Go out to the mailbox. And the IRS made a mistake, and they sent me a check for, and I want to repeat to the very cent, $783. Not $783.02. And I just, literally. Now, I'm not, I'm kind of more like a Presbyterian that was drugged into the charismatic movement. So I'm just not really given to bouncing off the walls all that much. But I have to tell you, I look like a... I look like a seriously infected Pentecostal at my mailbox. And, and thank God I lived on a cul-de-sac. There wasn't moving traffic by me. But I mean, I was flipping out at the mailbox. And I was, you know what I was saying? I was saying, I love when God shows up in the details. The details. It's like, now I mean, I've got some stories that could blow that one out of the water. On hearing God's voice. But it's that kind of nitty... How many of you ever saw Nacho Libre? You know? The nitty gritty, right? I love it when God is in the nitty gritty of my life. Now here's what I have found out of all these years of teaching people about hearing God's voice. That the difficulties lie more on the front side. It's not the actual process. 
It's like you, you will notice that there's many multiple layers of resistance that will be embraced by different personalities and different, different uh, uh, life experiences. Like some people just won't believe that, that, that God speaks this way because, uh, well, one is, is that they just over-intellectualize life. I guarantee you in here there's, there's some sector that they just over-intellectualize life. And if you and if it's if it's not an intellectual approach, then uh, it's not going to be good. I have other people, and I've been all these people, by the way. I am sane. I have had that approach. Other people who are afraid that if they did begin to um, listen to God's voice, that they would become weird. Anybody afraid of becoming a weird Christian? Valerie and I are in the process of uh, finding a church in Santa Rosa, and we're really enjoying the experience. But one of the things we've said is, is, could Christians just be normal? It's like you walk into church, and it's like, rather than just, hi, how are you doing? It's like, hi. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, Lord. I don't want to be, I'm sorry, I don't, well, I'm not sorry, I don't want to be that kind of Christian. And there was a period of time when people talked about hearing God's voice. It was like, well, if you start listening to God's voice, that's what you're going to become like. All of a sudden, you're going to become very odd and just removed. And that actually has not been my experience in hearing God's voice. Or, oh, 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 I almost missed one. There are those who believe that when they hear God's voice, that they're better than other people. Like they've got a hotline into God, they know now, and they've got the answer, and they're they're always kind of like, you know, don't you love those kind of human conversations where the other person's always in control? And I thought to myself, I don't want that either. So sometimes by the time we finish listing all the things we don't want, we go, you know what? Hearing God's voice is just a little bit too offensive or risky or... It's just, there's too much baggage with the whole idea. So, what I'd like to do is I'd like to take a completely different approach. In hopes that you might get a picture of God's heart. Because what I want to talk to you about is actually what's captivated me. Like, what, what lured me past my apprehension? Or my fears. Or my resistance. And I have to tell you what has lured me beyond this is the affection of God for me. His affection. I want to talk to you just briefly about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit we refer to as the Blessed Trinity, right? We spend more time trying to explain or figure out the Trinity rather than appreciate and live into it. I don't believe that the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit and the the mysterious, amazing relationship that they have with one another, being distinct yet being one, I don't think it was ever intended to be explained, but it was intended for us to experience. I will explain that statement. I want to start by causing you to reflect On Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 and 27. You can just jot these scriptures down if you are so inclined. If not, no problem. In chapter 1 of Genesis, there are two ideas that I want to just deliver to you. Now here's going to be the temptation. 
is in church, when somebody starts to share an idea, we kind of tend to treat it like a checklist. Oh, I know that. I'm going to invite you not to know that this morning. I'm going to invite you to wonder about something you know. How many of you are up for wondering about something you know? Thank you. So in Genesis chapter 1, one of the most familiar chapters of Scripture, there are two things I want you to wonder about. First of all, is about Father God's essential character and what's revealed there. Because what is revealed there is that God is a communicating God. I want you to say it with me. Please, please do it with me. God is a communicating God. Much of the problem with hearing God has to do with the fact that people look at them and what they can and cannot do. And it's so hard to hear. I love to say this to people. Listen. It is not about your ability to hear. It's about His ability to speak. And we get so focused on where we're at in our spiritual maturity, or not, that we're not spiritual enough to hear the Lord. I said, listen, it's not about being spiritual enough. It's about His essential nature. His essential nature is to communicate. Now, in case this would possibly escape your attention, if you just go through Genesis chapter 1 and start counting, just sheer counting the key words of the Lord said, the Lord said, the Lord said, the Lord said. It, communication is all over chapter 1. One time I did a from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22 study of every reference to God speaking. Every single one. And I did not use a concordance. And because what I wanted to understand is I wanted to have a clear-eyed view of is this your nature, Father, to communicate? And I'll tell you something. We need a fresh engagement with Scripture. A fresh one. Not a new idea. Not polished speakers, but a fresh engagement with Scripture where all of a sudden God's Word has the ability to saturate our soul and dislodge our cynicism. And Scripture, as I went through it, it saturated every cynical, despairing thought that I thought I came to the profound yet obvious conclusion that Father God is in His very nature a communicating God. And that I needed to reflect and be more impressed with that fact and with who He is than with who I'm not. And let me tell you, all you do is need one sad season of your soul where your failures exceed your successes, where your sin exceeds your righteousness, where you feel like there is no way I could hear the Lord. And guess what happens? The same thing you see happen in chapter 2's and chapter 3 of Genesis. And that is even though sin has broken down humankind, God is still speaking. Still communicating. Even to a nation, Israel, who rejects him and seeks idols, God is still communicating. Hebrews chapter 1 says, God who in various times and in various ways has spoken through the prophets. He was speaking to a rebellious people. He said, how could he speak to them? It wasn't to them. It was him. He is a communicating God. So if you get one thing out of this morning that could serve your soul... This point alone would be worth the price of admission. 
And that is, is God in His nature, regardless what our nature is, is a God who communicates. And because of that, the obvious implication, if He is a God who communicates, He is a God who wants to connect with people. Just think of, I, I've raised kids. My sons are 30 and 31. Almost 30 and 31. And I have grandchildren. And you know we've walked through life. And I'm going to tell you something. I continue to try to keep communication open at every point for one reason. I want to be connected. And why would God, why would God be a communicating God? Because He wants to be connected with you. Every single one of you, regardless what your story has been, regardless what your story is, God is earnest that He wants to connect with you. This is marvelous. Now Genesis 1:26 and 27, I told you there were two primary things. One, God is a communicating God. The second thing I want you to understand, this is, an, this is a marvel. This is one of the things you need to wonder that you already know. It says that when God created humankind, He said, let us create humankind, right, in, say it with me, in our image. That wonderful Latin phrase, imago dei, in the image of God. Do you know what this means? Everybody say no. Because even after I tell you, you won't know what it means. Because I don't know what it means yet, but it's kind of like... I get an itty-bitty, teeny-weeny little glimpse of maybe possibly what it might mean because this is like big T truth. I'm created in the image of God. You're created in the image of God. You know what this means. Say no. Okay. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are in a mysterious... Mysterious, not like it's secretive, but a mysterious because it's beyond our normal, you know, pay-level grade of knowledge, Right? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are in a relationship with one another. They are in an interconnected relationship with one another where there is mutual love and mutual self-giving. And now God says, now let us make humankind in our image, like us. So here is the takeaway. You were created like no other thing that was created. You were created to enjoy the communion with the Godhead. You were created for that. You say, but yeah, haven't you read the book and it says that mankind screwed things up when he sinned? Oh yes. But if you notice, Father God wastes no time of moving towards restoring what was broken in the garden. And you see, early on, through the story of Abraham, you see how quickly and deeply the recovery is happening because Abraham begins to model the individual who is starting to recover God's intention for humankind to listen to what the Father is saying, go where the Father is sending, and to begin to possess the inheritance that the Father is releasing. Anybody up for that? If Abraham could experience a hearing, a going, and a recovery within his lifetime in such close proximity to mankind's failure, I can tell you, after the coming of Christ and the descent of the Holy Spirit, we can experience a clear sense of our calling, a clear sense of our inheritance, and move forward into it. Somebody say amen. Now, I want to quickly now go to Jesus. 
Because when you come to Jesus, it's interesting that John's gospel records that it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And then it goes on. But it's interesting to me that John's, John's depiction of, of the coming of Christ mirrors the creation story in Genesis chapter 1. Like you get this same sense like something's being created. What I want you to think about when you think about Christ and you think about the coming of Jesus relative to hearing his voice are two things. First of all is, is that Mark's gospel, as does all the other go- the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they all record this statement that at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, Jesus hears a voice from heaven saying what? This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Hear him. And that's what it says on the Mount of Transfiguration. But my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. I'm going to make two assertions about Jesus that are, that are, I would say, foundational for hearing God's voice. First of all, Jesus is a model. Jesus is a model and an act of recovery for you and me. Now you may not, I think you'll get the first part. The second part usually kind of goes, huh? He is a model. He is modeling, he is modeling what humankind was intended to live like. Listening to the Father, hearing what the Father is saying, doing what the Father is doing. He models that. Got that? He's left, Peter says he's left us as an example that we should walk in his steps. He is not just a model. In every act of obedience, Jesus is reclaiming what was lost for humankind. There is the difference between a model and a provision. He is both a model for how to live, and He is also a provision for me to live. This is why Jesus says, if you will abide in me and my words abide in you, if you will find this abiding life in me, your life will be full of joy. You'll you begin to experience His life here now. I've come that you might have life And that more abundantly. How is that? Not just because he's a model and then he leaves us on our own. But as Jesus walked a perfect life, he was making provision for you and for me to be able to be connected with the Father, to hear and to live our life like he did. That's why when Jesus says, greater works will you do, that would make no sense. That would make no sense if he was just a model. But if he was both a model and a provision that through his obedience, he was actually providing for you. See, when we think about provision, we usually go to the cross, don't we? That he provided for the, what? Forgiveness of our sins. Which he did. But he provided so much more. Sounds like my voice is changing, isn't it? (laughs) He provided so much more. And this is the part that we need to wonder about what we already know. When I read the Gospels, I think another step forward in the Father's perfect will. Another depth of provision for me to live my life. When I think about, I don't know if I can hear the Lord. All I have to do is consider the fact, will Jesus listen to the Father? And in Jesus' obedience to listen to the Father and to do what the Father said, He was making provision for me to hear and listen and do. Somebody say amen to that one. See, isn't it a blessed relief to get your eye out of your navel? And to contemplate Him. To contemplate Him. So, 
Jesus now, what was Jesus' life anchored in? It was anchored, his whole experience of hearing God's voice was anchored in two realities. First, it was anchored in the reality that he was the accepted beloved son. We just, we just said that. Secondly, it was anchored in the fact that he was a servant to humankind. The Gospels make this clear, that he was not sitting around trying to hear the Father's voice so he could feel good about himself. Much of our spirituality is nothing other than recanned narcissism. Meaning, we make so our spirituality even so much about us. Like if I somehow hear the Lord and it works out the way that I think, that therefore that makes me valid, I feel good about myself, I feel, shall we say it, strong, powerful, self-sufficient. Well, I just have to tell you. That is not how Jesus oriented himself. He was oriented, first of all, there was nothing to prove because he was already loved. True spirituality doesn't start with some ladder climb to ascend. That's another, those are other religions that offer that form. Right? Where you, where you ascend through things you do or things you don't do. That is not what our faith is about. Our spirituality starts with a ground level acceptance. You are loved by the Father. Get over it. You can't add to it. You can't take away. You can't increase it. It just is. That's how Jesus, I think Jesus went away continually to be regrounded in the reality he was loved by the Father. First thing the devil tried to do in the temptation was try to say, you need to do something in addition to being loved by the Father. You need to turn these stones to bread. You need to prove something. You need to prove something. And Jesus said, nothing needs to be proved. I'm loved. That's something you should put on your refrigerator. There's nothing that needs to be proved. I'm loved. And it's part of the thing that we get in our own way on when it comes to hearing God's voice is we're trying to prove something by hearing something. What about if we just got out of our own way and said, listen, I'm loved. Now, Father, speak. And whether he tells you something big or something little, whether it's incidental or whether it's life-changing, it really doesn't matter in that sense. Because it's just part of being connected with him. Anybody feel a little bit of relief going on here? Thank you. He was connected to people. It says that he came. What, what is the Luke says? I came to seek and to save that which was lost. Where's your focus? On yourself or other people? Because I can tell you this. Jesus spent most of his time hearing. Not so he could validate himself. But so that he could impact others. So that he could connect other people. To the love that he experienced from the father. You ever known something really, really good? Like had an experience that was really amazing? That you really, really, really wanted to connect somebody else to? Jesus had the ultimate connection. He knew the love of the Father. And that's why he said that he's going to go here and he's going to go there and he's going to reach out. Mark's gospel said he was compassionate. Luke said he came to seek and to save that which was lost. John's gospel said, I didn't come to condemn, I came to save. 
The message is clear all through the Gospels. He's preoccupied with a sense and a sense of spirituality that's because I'm loved, I can live my life freely and be a servant and connect with people, whoever they are. And isn't that marvelous about Him? It didn't matter what swath you were cut out of. That whether you were from this culture or that culture or this gender or that gender or what you knew or what you didn't know, Jesus connected with people. Love has a way of doing that. And then let's talk about the Holy Spirit. You know, the Holy Spirit, His role in our life is to connect us to the same things Jesus was connected to. John chapter 14, Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit. You'll remember this statement. He says, He is going to take of what is mine and give it to you. Most people think that that's some sort of esoteric knowledge. Some deeper insight. The biggest thing that was Jesus was His relationship with the Father. What if what Jesus was saying when the Holy Spirit comes... He's going to take of what is mine, which is this connection you've been watching for three and a half years with the Father. And He's going to declare it to you. That's what the, it actually says. You know what Paul says in, in uh, Galatians 4. He says, He sends forth His Spirit, the Spirit of adoption into your hearts. And it says, the Spirit in your hearts is crying out loud, Abba. He sent the Holy Spirit to be in you as a follower 24-7, even above the wah, 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 that's going on in our heads, that the Spirit of God would be a louder voice saying, You belong! You can't earn it! You're loved! Trust it! Romans, he's a little bit... You know, a little bit more intellectual. He says, His Spirit bears witness with our spirit. But Galatians, because those believers are about ready to surrender to some sort of system to earn what they could never earn. He says, listen, the spirit of adoption is in you crying out, Abba, you're loved. Paul goes on in Romans to talk about the fact that after this is grounded and we, we, when we get that we're gotten, when we get that we're loved with a love that can't be measured, can't be limited, can't be earned, knows no height, knows no depth, it just is what it is. It's the love of God in Christ that nothing can separate us from. Then he goes on to talk about now, therefore, in light of the vast mercies of God, let us lay down our life for the living sacrifice. Like who? Jesus. And use your gifts, spiritual gifts. Use those to build up the body. I just tell you, I've been around in church life. And I've watched spiritual gifts do as much damage as they have good. The problem isn't the gift. It's not tongues, it's not prophecies. That's, it's, the problem isn't the gift. It's how people hold them. If they're held in the heart of a person who knows they're loved by God and that they are here to serve the body and to serve those who are yet to believe, 
then what beautiful resources the Spirit graces us with. But when they're held as points of self-validation, empty? Absolutely. Paul, I think, said, like clanging brass. Hurts to the hearing. But when they're held as a person just being loved by the Father. And I'm not doing any of this to get anything in the sense of that means I'm something. I'm just loved and now I'm free to serve. That's how Jesus lived his life. That's what the Holy Spirit's bringing us into. I want to leave you with a picture. And the picture is of the Holy Trinity. This is actually a picture in my mind. And there's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, there is no competition, unlike humankind. There's no competition between the three of them. They are three distinct yet mysteriously one. And they share the most incredible experience of love. A love that Jesus mirrors that we see Him enjoying with the Father and with the Spirit and the Spirit with the Son. And you see this. And then what happens is when we get saved, the Holy Spirit ushers us into the heart of God's Trinity love. And when John says, Behold what manner of love that has been bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God, this is what he's talking about. He's not just talking about a love that forgave you for your sins. It is, includes that. He's talking about being ushered into the sector that we could never have entered in on our own. To be loved with an eternal love. To be loved with the love that God shares Himself. To be brought into that sector. We could never have done it, nor could we maintain it. But yet this is what the Spirit ushers us into. And so from that proximity of being a son or a daughter loved by God, it's from that place that our hearts long to hear what He says. It doesn't matter what it's in. It might be in the patient disposition towards a son who is struggling. It might be in what you don't say. It, it's, it's not in parading what you've heard or what you haven't heard. Most of which might just remain under the surface because it really doesn't matter what other people know. Because it's not about that. But it's about being connected with what He's doing and what He's about. Not only in your life, but in the lives of other people. I was in a conversation the other day, and I shared with a friend, you know, I just have a sense of something I've had for a long time, but I've not sensed it was the right time to say it. I just want to share it. And I shared the simple little word. And the word was not important to you, but he started weeping on the other end. Because it just, you know when God says something and it really lands for you? It just landed for him. And I got off the phone. I was so appreciative to the Father. Because only that guy and I will ever probably know about that, what was said. But it was such a delight just to be available, to be a blessing to the life of another person. Just simply by hearing what the Father was doing, being patient, not making some big thing about it, but yet it having a big impact. I believe this church is at the very beginning, not just of its chronological years, but at the very beginning of its impact for the lives of many people. 
And I believe that in many respects, the heart of this message will serve you, and I pray that it does. That this church, this church would grow in its conviction that you, each one of you, are loved by the Father. Like, goes beyond, goes beyond what you can wrap your head around. If you're still wrapping your head around it, you're not even at the beginning of it. But that your heart would be affected. Father God, we stand in awe of your great love. We are, have no ability to understand your way towards us. But yet our hearts so welcome your grace, your mercy, and your goodness towards us. We love you. Thank you for loving us the way you do. Lord, I pray for Radiant, for every person who's heard this message and who is yet to hear it, that you would free each one of us from our petty attempts to manufacture something And that, Lord, you would deepen our openness to receive all that you have for us. Even as we sang this morning, that we would day by day taste and see that the Lord is good. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Sitting up here, so I see you. I just have a sense that you know, he's here. Maybe he's not Thanks for listening. We want to be a resource for you as you walk with Jesus. So please connect with us at radiantbicelia.com. Until next time.